right, people, we are live wherever you watch your internet programs, and holy schmoly, today is a day. It is a day that will live in infamy or fumi, uh, depending on what position you're in. Uh, obviously, the Roe v. Wade decision was just announced, uh, so we are adding that to the docket of today's uh, Friday panel extravaganza. And joining me are President of the Brownstone Institute, Jeffrey A. Tucker, Senior Fellow at the Claremont Institute, Dave Raboy, and Editor-in-Chief of the Post-Millennial, Libby Emmons. Jeffrey, Dave, Libby, welcome to the Rubin Report. Pleasure, thank you. Uh, all right, first off, before we get into anything here, I have to tell you, because of this Roe v. Wade thing, I walk into the studio today and sitting on my desks, one of my guys printed this out for me and just left it on my desk. There is Clarence Thomas, uh, today is obviously a very good day for him and people that like him. Yesterday was his birthday, so it almost happened on his birthday. Uh, but we got to start with uh, Roe v. Wade being reversed. Uh, got a little something from Town Hall to kick us off here. Breaking, the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, returning abortion law to the states. And Libby, since you're joining us today, we often source the post-millennial, uh, but we did it for you today. Uh, the Supreme <laughs> Court on Wednesday released a ruling in the case of Dobbs Friday. versus Jackson. Oh, Friday. Uh, right, Friday. Why does that say Wednesday? Just that's, update. That's an error on really? Post Millennial. We just copied and pasted it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just copied and pasted. The Supreme Court on Friday released a ruling in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. They have overturned Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion at the federal level. At issue in the case was whether all restrictions to abortion prior to viability are constitutional or not. The decision, a draft of which was, which was leaked in late April, essentially overturns the landmark 1973 ruling in Roe v. Wade that federally legalized abortion. Now the decision on whether or not abortion is legal returns to the states. So broadly speaking, I think we're all somewhat like-minded on this in that we're states rights people. We don't like government overreach and we do like personal choice. Uh, Jeffrey, I wanna start with you here. Uh, since I know that so much of what I just said there is in your pedigree, it's in your blood. Uh, I sense you look at this as a good day. I'm glad it came out this summer rather than waiting closer to the election. My own prediction is that this whole thing is gonna be not a, a big existential threat to privacy and human rights and everything else. All it does is devolve it to the states and the states that have liberal laws now will continue to have liberal laws. Those that have tighter laws will continue to have tighter laws. It takes the battle back to the states and I think everybody's gonna calm down pretty soon. I would give it to, in, in two months, we'll realize that it's not the end of the world. The decision is right and we can put this as a national issue behind us, and I will be very relieved for that. Wait, Jeffrey, are you telling me you're not predicting a summer of peace and uh, tranquility when the riots are coming and they're burning cities down and CNS is, CNN is telling us that it's all in the name of tolerance and diversity? Yeah, I don't I don't believe any of that uh, that's going to happen. I think it's a little bit of but the shock already happened with the leak, right? I mean, that already people were that we had went through about 48 hours of freakout and there'll be more of that in light of this decision, but I think everything's going to calm down and people realize that it's a it's a state level battle. The battle will continue in every state and and things will settle down and we'll go back to the system we've had should have had from the very beginning. This whole issue should have been regulated by the states according to the constitutional structure. It was inevitable, if we have a, a Supreme Court that takes the Constitution seriously, that at some point Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned. And and I, I, that's in the name of social peace. 
this is this is the right way. I think it should have happened uh, a very long time ago. <clears throat> and as I say, I think we're going to have a patchwork of laws all over the country. And and fortunately, the thing that's vexed us for all these decades, which is this national abortions uh, abortion rights struggle, can just go go to the states, and you can pick your state, and and some will have liberal laws, some uh, tighter, and and we'll we'll move on as a country. That's that's the way the American system is supposed to function, and I, I think I think we're going to find that we're okay with it. I think our people on all sides are going to be okay with it. Right. I'm going to disagree. I'm going <laughs> to. Go ahead, Jonathan. Disagree. Let's go. Yeah, I totally disagree with with Jeffrey. (laughs) I, I, look, I mean, I completely agree with you in terms of where we should be as a country. And, um, and yes, of course, and I agree that the ruling was, was, was properly decided. And also that the original Roe v. Wade ruling disfigured politics about this issue for the last 50 years. But I don't think there's any hope of sort of going back to normal and uh, and and uh, and like, okay, everybody embrace federalism now because the left is built um, its 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 conception of government um, in opposition to federalism. Mm-hmm. their Their answer for this is not, okay, well, you know, we lost here, which means we'll just have to suck it up and uh, and 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 offer unlimited abortions in blue states. I mean, yes, they will do that, but um, but their the, the the rationale for their um, their entire program falls apart if they cannot get this done at a federal level. They want everything done at a federal level. So I think what's going to happen now is is the is the rhetoric rhetoric is going to be dialed up because they understand their their. Their, their activist base is, is smart enough, or at least the, the Democrats in power, let's say, are smart enough to understand that this isn't about abortion um, as much as it's about their entire suite of issues and really the way they wield power, the way they conceive of their wielding of power through the administrative state. So I think what's going to happen now is they're going to go full bore to try to, uh, to pack the court in addition to all kinds of administrative you know, fixes as you, as you suggested on the on the um, on the state and local level, um, but they're going to be putting up a fight everywhere. There is no shortage of money. You know, I mean, they, I think uh, you know, lefty um, nonprofits and PACs and 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 sort of all this stuff, even even dark money groups, which the left has. Everybody's going to be positioned to to uh, to push this because I think they understand exactly how much of a threat this is to their entire program. So it's interesting, it's interesting because I sense, before Libby jumps in, I sense we're all probably in agreement on the idea that there was no federally constitutional guaranteed right to an abortion. It's simply not in the Constitution. So I think most people can understand that, regardless of whether you have a personal uh, feeling uh, that you should allow abortions for a certain period of time or not. What you guys are differing on is now how the left basically will react so Libby, it's funny to me in a weird way because the states were already doing vastly different things on abortion. Texas already had six week limit. Florida, which you guys know I love and live in Florida. Uh, Florida to me did something super interesting only three months ago, the Florida legislature in this red right wing state led by don't say gay Ron DeSantis passed a 15 week ban, which doesn't even go into effect until a couple weeks from now. But it wasn't even controversial here, meaning that a state that's mostly red already 
was compromising on abortion. So is that the weird thing when it comes to the outrage that we're about to see that the states were already making up their mind? If you want an eight and a half month abortion, congratulations, Gavin Newsom will do it for you personally. Well, I think what we're going to see this summer, I think we're going to see radical unhinged leftist feminists uh, going out there and trying to burn stuff down. I don't think it's going to matter to them that you can get an abortion in some states and not in other states. They're going to see this as a racist, white, cis heteronormative assault on freedoms and trans rights and women's rights and every kind of conceivable thing that they can come up with. They've already threatened it. We've seen it with that group, Jane's Revenge, the leaderless pro-abortion militant activist group that's, you know, started fires and put graffiti all over the place. We've seen this and they are poised and ready for another summer of rage. It doesn't matter to them that states can do what they want. It doesn't matter to them on gun rights that now, you know, states can't necessarily just trounce all over to a rights. They don't care about that either. They want what they want. They want to control other people. They want to control Americans. They want to enact their bizarre ideas of morality and these weird values that don't value life and that are not concerned with personal liberty or freedom. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see crazy people running around in the streets all summer thinking that they have a right to destroy things just because things didn't go their way at the federal level. So Jeffrey, since, uh, since Dave and Libby are pretty much in agreement on that, and I kind of feel that too, that the left, they just want power. They don't have enough voices yeah. that could calmly explain to the radical base hey, this isn't about taking away abortion, it's just about the states thing, all of that. Since they don't have that, my personal feeling is, yes, this is obviously gonna lead to a, a summer of you know, tolerant violence. Why do you not think that that's gonna happen? You think that because well, the leak may have released enough air on it already or something? Uh, yeah, something like that. I think what we're, the only difference is uh, here is, and I'm really speaking about the average, average person. Uh, many people have decided to stop supporting uh, the Democrats, obviously. And 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 the left because of the the insanity of the of the Biden administration. I just don't believe this is going to make a the kind of margin of difference at the at the polls that's really going to matter. Yes, the organizations are going to use it to raise money. The Democrats are already doing that. The the the, the wild extreme uh, of fanatical left left wing activists are going to be out in full force. But whether they're going to be able to actually rally enough regular people. Mm -hmm to get f freaked out and scared about this. I just don't believe it. I mean, most regular people are are sick of this topic and and will be happy with this with this compromise. Yeah. The activists the activists will not be and they can make a a, a messy uh, situation and the Democrats are desperate for some you know, way to raise money. I, I, I'm on the, all their email lists and of course they started hitting this since April like, oh, they're gonna take away your abortion rights and so on. But and they're going to continue to do that and experience some some institutional success with this racket. <clears throat> but I just don't believe it's going to rally vast numbers of the American public enough to stop the red wave in November. I don't I don't think it's going to do that. Right. And that also is sort of why they've been playing with fire this entire time by letting the inmates run the asylum, because now if you allow for a summer of violence, uh, you just will get more red states and more red cities, which I think we'd all basically be happy with. Uh, I want to give Jeffrey some credit real quick because I mentioned it a couple times on the show this week because we're not doing COVID today. But Jeffrey, you were so right on COVID from literally months before COVID, uh, before anyone was talking about it. I think it's worth crediting when people get it right. 
Uh, and that's also a transition to Dave because you have been talking about this sort of like soft secession thing for a while, that the states really just don't have much in common anymore. Let Cali be Cali and, and we'll be Florida here. Uh, so you're, you're probably feeling like particularly good today, putting aside abortion in general. Yes, that's, I mean, that was my, that was my first thought is that this is so much bigger than abortion. I mean, of course it's going to encourage the big sort which is, uh, which is folks moving to more ideologically um, aligned places um, in the country, uh, you know, leaving blue states, moving to red states, and then also maybe leaving red states and moving to blue states. I mean, mm -hmm. now that's, that's really in play. Um, you know, even libs from, uh, from blue states came down to places like Florida and Texas and whatever, thinking that, oh, I'm in this wonderful cocoon of, you know, uh, Miami or Austin or Dallas or Houston or someplace like that. And, um, and you know, I can live my life in taking advantage of red state taxes and red state um, culture, but I'll be insulated in my, little, um, in my little community that won't be all that much different than Los Angeles or Brooklyn. And, um, and that is about to change. And I'm very happy for that change. Uh, can uh, I ask a, 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 an interesting question here about about what the future looks like in terms of abortion? Why wouldn't it be the case that if you're living in a highly restrictive state, say uh, Texas, and you have an unwanted pregnancy and you know it's regrettable and, and you don't feel like you can bear the child, is it? Wouldn't it just be possible to get a, a plane ticket to, to California or New York? And yes, yeah. this is this is definitely ahead, happening yeah. too. We have seen this. Um, in fact, Oklahoma was seeing an influx of women from Texas trying to terminate their pregnancies, so they enacted their own restrictions on the on the practice. Um, we've seen women from Texas flying off to Colorado, which has declared itself an abortion sanctuary state, or to New Mexico. California has promised not only to allow out-of-state abortions, but to fund the travel for women to come to that state and terminate their pregnancies. We've seen Verizon, I think, and a number of other companies, Citibank, I think, also saying that they would fund yep. the uh, travel for women employees to go terminate their pregnancies. Now, at this point, these are women with jobs and really good health care plans. So it's kind of confusing as to why they wouldn't want to say yes to motherhood, which is literally the greatest thing on earth ever, as I can testify. Um, personally, New York also is launching its own program, I believe, to help women come in from other states and um, you know, terminate their pregnancies as well. So yeah, we are gonna see that shift. I'd also just like to say to um, Dave's point, hey, conservatives, come move to New York. Let's take it over. <laughs> Let's create a real counterculture here and uh, vote conservative. Yeah, the ship it. has sailed, sister. I'm with Raboy here <laughs> oh, in Florida no. now. No. Um, you know, no, one other point- take New York. One other point to your question, Jeffrey, is that, you know, I think clearly, as Libby's saying, they, they, the blue states will fund some of this and there'll be, you know, Barbara Streisand and Rosie O'Donnell can fund all the abortions they want. I suspect after six months of funding abortions for young, poor, black and Latino girls in Texas to get their abortions, you know, bus them into Cali uh, to get an abortion. I suspect after about six months of that, the optics are going to look pretty bad and that'll come to a close uh, pretty quickly. Well, it looks uh, like a genocide. I mean, it, it looks like a genocide against black babies in this country. You know, if 
I've said this, I know that a lot of people have said this, if black lives really mattered, we would let black women know that they can create families, they can be mothers, they can be supported socially um, and in society and, and, and pursue this course, you know? Why are we so opposed to black women becoming mothers in this country? But aren't there aren't there other medical procedures that people leave their own states to get? I mean, I I don't know, but I mean, there's probably if you got a weird kind of cancer and you hear that you know the the best doctor on this is in uh, Wyoming, so you've just got to get there. Don't don't you just take a a ticket and go there? Isn't that sort of n- normal? I mean, why why can't yeah. why can't abortion be considered uh, something similar? I mean, it just I mean, Freedom, no, man. because. Because you have a lot of crazy feminists who are opposed to that idea. Uh, And we've seen there are states where you can get abortions all through the entire nine months. Um, Mm -hmm. I was reading an account on Twitter of a woman who terminated her pregnancy literally at seven months. At seven months is infanticide. There's just no way around that. It's a horror. My guys are giving me a stat right now. So uh, apparently in 2013, so it's nine years ago, but this still will, will illustrate something. More black children were aborted than born in New York, 2013. Yeah, I mean, that, that just, sounds about right. I that tells that. you That's probably, where we're probably at. true in Florida too. Florida has, I believe Florida was number three in 2019 uh, in the country. California doesn't even keep stats. If you wanna know how many babies are wow. terminated in California, you cannot find the information. They won't mm. give it to you. So there's a couple of organizations that keep track. The CDC relies on voluntary reporting from states and the Gutmacher Institute, I think, goes out and literally calls every abortion provider in the country to try and get information. So yeah, but California doesn't wanna let you know how many um, babies they kill every year. Unreal. Well, obviously this story isn't going anywhere. Hopefully Jeffrey's right and there won't be violence, but uh, we shall see what happens. Let's move on to a couple other things because it was just a weird week. We always have weird weeks. Every week is weird, uh, but the lies of the administration and the conflicting in, uh, information from the administration and how nobody seems coordinated and Biden's fallen off a bike and that's like his best moment of the week. Uh, <laughs> here is uh, Press Secretary uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, let's, uh, I always have to note she is a black lesbian. It's very important to tell everybody that. Uh, contradicting Ener- Energy Secretary, uh, Secretary Granholm about what's going on with this gas tax. What do you say to lawmakers who are already calling this federal gas tax holiday a gimmick and saying best case scenario, it'll save drivers about 20 bucks a month? Well, it, there's no doubt this is a modest, uh, if it were just the federal gas tax, right? 18 cents is, you know, is a modest, uh, you know, a modest amount. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, 18 cents uh, per gallon, which is going to go a long way. If you look at uh, the average of states, that's 30 cents. Just looking at those two things, that's almost 50 cents. Uh, that's going to go a long way for three months. Okay, so first off, they're contradicting each other. That's fine. We expect that. But also this silliness about 18 cents and 30 cents. And even if you fill up your car every day, I mean, we're talking about maybe, you know, 30, 50 bucks a month. I'm not saying it's nothing, but in light of inflation and everything else, uh, this this all just shows you these people seemingly have no idea what's going on. Raboy, you don't like these people, do you? <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. No, I mean, it, it's it's... Look, I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. The idea that inflation here is caused by anything but the fact that they pr- they put more money into circulation than uh, than most other economies um, in, in the world combined. 
in the last two years. Um, you know, the the fact the idea that that's got nothing to do with it is so fanciful and absurd that. Um, you know, I mean, look, I mean, I hate to quote Vladimir Putin, but in order to believe it, you have to be illiterate. But they're going to try it. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone buys it. I mean, I, I, I am uh, I'm pessimistic about the the intelligence of the average person. So you never know now. Pessimistic, yeah. I don't, I don't like the, the 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 administration. I think this whole gas tax holiday is a trap. So the idea is that you you repeal it, and that gives a Biden an opening to attack you know every gas station in the country and say, mm -hmm. see, you need to lower your price. But the inflationary pressure is already there. the The tax itself does not. It's it's not a retail tax. It's a wholesale tax. It's paid very early in the structure of production. Um, I'll make a prediction right here that I don't think it's going to make any difference even if it, it passes. But it'll allow the administration to claim that the energy companies and the oil companies, the gas company retailers, have somehow pocketed uh, the the tax cut, mm -hmm. and that that'll provide an opening for them to do all sorts of you know attacks and accusing uh, the sellers of of gouging. So I, I think the whole thing is just a big trap, and it does illustrate just how the level of economic ignorance from this, um, or just sheer lies from this administration is shocking. They don't understand price formation. The the price you pay at the pump <clears throat> is not a perfect reflection of the costs along this, the production structure. Uh, prices, final prices especially, are always uh, retrospective of uh, previous costs and supplies, and then also speculative of, of future uh, supplies and, and demand. And so you have an administration demanding lower gas prices at the same time, they're waging an unrelenting mm -hmm. rhetorical and regulatory war on fossil fuels and and anything other than, as Janet Yellen says, the wind and the sun. Those are good kinds of energy, right. which constitutes about 14% of American energy consumption. And the rest is evil. And and and, and they want to get rid of it. So and you that, cannot inspire uh, more production and lower prices under these under these conditions. It's a war on on energy and enterprise, and it's it's outrageous. And it's hardly a surprise it's going to lead to you know more pressure from two directions. One monetary. As David says, uh, but but also the supply constraints and and refining capacity is, you know, very intense right now. And by the way, they're fully admitting that they are waging that war. They're not even hiding that they are waging that war. They're telling us they're waging that war. Um, and also, to me, it seems if you really wanted to put a little more money in people's pocket instead of say a three-month federal gas tax holiday that's going to save you know eighteen cents a gallon. I know I'm I know I'm a radical, crazy, freedom extremist. But how about a I don't know. 1% uh, tax cut across the board on your federal taxes. How come that isn't something they could think about? Maybe we'll just take a tiny bit less money from you. Uh, Libby, before I throw to you, you guys may remember this Barack Obama guy. Does he ring a bell? Does that name sound like something? Uh, in 2008, he said that gas tax holidays were complete nonsense. I know that we're having a debate right now about the gas tax holiday. I know how brutal this is on folks right now. And I know they need relief, which is why I've offered a middle-class tax cut for every American, $1,000 for working families, so that they can deal not only with rising gas prices, but rising health care costs and rising grocery costs. But for us to suggest that 30 cents a day for three months is real relief, 
that that's a real energy policy means that we are not tackling the problem that has to be tackled. Man, if Joe Biden had any clue what was going on, he would not be happy hearing that from Barack Obama, who he ended up being VP for. Uh, Libby, I mean, Obama 2008, making a lot of sense. That's when it was gonna save you 30 cents a gallon. Now we're only at 18 cents a gallon. Yeah, but what we see with this administration consistently uh, with regard to energy and resources, as well as all of the other things uh, from, you know, abortion and trans rights and whatever else, we see a desire on their part to remake American society and remake the American economy to fit their utopian ideal of what they think we should be doing. They don't care about average American people. They don't care about how we're going to feed our families. They don't care about how we're going to fill our tanks or drive around or lead our lives in the independent and individualistic ways that we would prefer to. No, instead, they want us to rely on their own ideas of um, what they believe is appropriate, whether it's the sun and the and the wind um, or whatever else, the electric vehicles that actually run on coal power and they refuse to actually admit that that's mm -hmm. what's going on. Our grid can't handle this stuff. And they've also been waging a war against nuclear energy, which is profoundly stupid since nuclear energy is clean, uh, efficient and effective and could do an awful lot in order to power and shape our economy. Um, but no, they, they have this absurd moral view and they just want us to do what they say. And I'm Libby, so sick Libby, of it. I hate it so much. Libby, you're giving me answers to a problem, but you're forgetting about some other guy across the world who we have to blame for all of our problems. We even have right. video of somebody right. blaming that guy. Video. And let's remember how we got here. Putin invaded Ukraine. Putin invaded Ukraine with 100,000 forces. So for all those Republicans in Congress criticizing me today for high gas prices in America, are you now saying we were wrong to support Ukraine? Are you saying we were wrong to stand up to Putin? Are you saying that we would rather have lower gas prices in America and Putin's iron fist in Europe? All right, first off, I, yes, I think a lot of people are saying that. Uh, Number two, gas, as we've covered here many times, was up already a dollar, over a dollar a gallon before Putin went into Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Dave, it's pretty good to have somebody you can blame for all of your problems. I mean, I thought the job of a president was that, you know, other guys do bad stuff and you're supposed to respond in kind, not just blame them uh, for all of your problems. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I, we see that it's ridiculous, but um, it's a continuation of what seemed to work out pretty well for the Democrats for the last five, six years, which is just Putin is the boogeyman. And if you, you know, if you were, uh, if you were a Democrat strategist, one of the smart things to do would be to pin negative news and all your bad things on the guy that you, you just spent five years uh, uh, fulminating against. Um, and blaming for everything from the 2016 election to, uh, you know, to everything. Just put everything else in that in that bucket. And it seems to me like the Democrat electorate um, has has thus far accepted it. Um, you know, I I don't think I, I think that that crowd of people, as we've seen from the uh, from the uh, the approval polling for Joe Biden, I think that that number is 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 dropping like a stone. 
but still this is this is kind of what they've got to do in order to get the attention and the motivation of their most hardcore supporters. All right, so since I'm you're not... hitting the approval stuff, let's let's just jump forward for just a second because even the mainstream media can't hide it anymore. It's one thing for us, you know, alternative media people to be talking about what's obviously right in front of us, but finally some reality is leaking even over at CNN. Consumer prices went up by 7.5% year over year in January before the invasion began, and that was the fastest pace since February of 1982. It's gotten worse since then because we've seen prices for gasoline, natural gas go up. We've seen food prices go up. And so inflation was a big problem. It's gotten even bigger. Clearly, the White House is searching for solutions here. But let's sum up what we just heard, right? One, not likely to get through Congress. Two, if it gets through Congress, it's going to have a minimal impact on your wallet, right? Would we say uh, $2.70 every time you fill up your tank? Not a big mover. And then also it could backfire by making demand worse, it's not gonna address supply, it doesn't help the revenue situation. Uh, there's a lot of drawbacks there. CNN is now admitting that some of these solutions from the administration are not solutions. Jeffrey, mainstream media, they're starting to get it? Is it possible? I'm just glad for the firing of, of Zucker from CNN. Things have changed a lot over there. Uh, in the end, uh, uh, CNN is a quasi-capitalistic organization and they have to <laughs> at some point get some uh, increase in their ratings. So you're seeing a little more truth leak out uh, from, from CNN. I personally don't know anybody who believes this this Putin's, uh, the, the problem with the, with the price hike thing. I, I think it's just so ridiculous. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I've noticed that uh, the Biden administration is starting to dial that back a little bit because it's so obviously preposterous. Um, and at some point, you'd think, and this is a question I had for Libby, actually. I mean, you'd think that the administration at some point would look at its polling numbers and realize that they're on the, the on the wrong path. I mean, how much worse does it have to get before these people start dialing back their uh, millenarian utopian visions of the society they want to create? It's uh, it's uh, they're being sadistic towards the American people. And, and our future, and everybody's mad at them about it. I mean, the polls are absolutely horrible. So why don't we see any kind of adjustment? Is it is it just ideological fanaticism you know, that, that, that somehow prevents uh, people in the Biden administration from looking at, at, at the truth? Or what what is this? My short answer is yes, but I'll, I'll let Libby take that one. I do think that it's, I do think that a lot of this is ideological and that they, um, think that what they are saying is true and accurate. And they've also given so much power to the far left progressives. And they know that that group of people can really tank the establishment uh, Democrats and prevent them from gaining any power at all. I mean, we, we see the far left willing to burn everything down anyway. So, um, you know, if they don't have their guy in office, they're not gonna be particularly concerned about that is my view. And I think that the Biden administration knows that. Perhaps they should add some of this information to the cheat sheets for Biden so that he knows um, in advance, you know, what he might be looking at uh, in addition to you sit down next and things like that. Um, in all caps. Yeah, you in all caps. I, I found that really rather shocking myself uh, that this is that this is what they were doing. But every time Biden says that he wants to rebuild the economy from the bottom up and the middle out, what he means is from the top down with a big vice <laughs> yeah, and yeah. a big grip. You know, but, he's saying the opposite of what he means. And every time he blames Putin in every one of those speeches where he's blaming Putin for his own 
uh, complete and total failures. He also blames Trump. Trump's been out of office for a long time now, and it's unclear that the you know whole Democratic establishment is going to be able to prevent him from running again. So, yeah, I, I think he's just really in a bad spot, and he's doing a terrible job, and everyone knows it. And, and, but for some a- reason, maybe no one's telling him. And everything is 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 destined to get worse. From all the data I'm looking at, whether it's mm-hmm. the impending recession or the inflationary trajectory, which is going to intensify over over time, we're going to be solidly in a in a, a, a stagflationary environment as we approach November, and nobody's going to be able to deny it or fix it. And the administration's not going to change its 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 rhetoric and its outlook, which is just this sort of nonstop war on the spirit of enterprise and you know blaming everybody else for all the things that they actually caused. But if you look at the disasters uh, from the inflation and the impending recession and everything, it almost dates from the date of the inauguration itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so bad. And I, I do think that the, a lot of the problems that date further back in time. There's no question about that. But just if, if you just want to line up the calendar with with the the disasters that we're facing right now, it really does date from the Biden administration. I don't see how they can avoid the culpability for this thing. And I, also, I think uh, you're right, Libby. There's there's very little chance they're, 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 they can change their their outlook. I mean, is the Biden administration suddenly going to be in favor of you know, free enterprise and sound money? I mean, and you know, I don't think so. Guys, so on the destruction. Jeffrey, please, you have to have a little hope. Remember Janet Yellen just a week or two ago at that hearing about uh, inflation and the recession said she hopes that we don't hit a recession. So, you know, (laughs) if if you just believe, then maybe something will happen. But you're actually giving me a perfect segue because it's been just disaster after disaster. And then we found this clip from the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, (laughs) where this woman, her name is Michelle Singletary. She's basically telling us all to shut up because, well, well, take a look for yourself. Where we are right now, you know, t- I, I'm I'm just going to say this, and 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 if I get banged for it, I don't care. There are there is a great deal of Americans where it is uncomfortable that they're spending more, but they are not going to go under. You know, you you got to stop complaining when there's so many people who literally the inflation rate means they may only have two meals instead of three. There are Americans who did extremely well in the last two years in the market. You still have your job. And yeah, it's costing you more for gas, but guess what? You're still going to take that holiday, that 4th of July vacation. You could still eat out. So I'm going to need you to calm down and back off because it feeds into this fear. And then this fear feeds into people making decisions that creates the very thing that they're fearful of. If there was ever a clip that perfectly illustrates why everyone sort of hates progressives at this point, that sort of holier than thou, you have to do this. If it's not directly affecting you, then you better shut up and don't talk about our guy who's in charge right now. Man, it's Libby, it's, it's the whole thing related to media and reality versus what they want to show us, right? Yeah, and she's also saying, don't fight for people who are struggling mm-hmm. more than you. Which is you supposed know? to be their whole thing. Isn't fight. that their Which gig? Which is their whole thing. What happened to you know using your privilege to fight for people who have less privilege? No, apparently not for this woman. So basically everything she's saying is actually anathema to her entire program, Mm -hmm. which is help people who are doing worse than you. But now she's saying don't help people who are doing your worse than you because they're doing worse than you. So why would you want to call attention to that? And why would you want to call attention to the struggle? 
exactly right. I mean, the rich are fine with inflation. I mean, Chanel handbags just went up 60% and they're increasing in sales. It's like like the, the sort of the next level uh, luxury good, you know? And it, so it's fine for the rich are fine. The inflation creams the poor in the middle class. It's a disaster. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, uh, really is a theft of their time and their labor and their property, and people absolutely despise it. It really does represent a transfer of wealth from the poor and the middle class, from the the, the, the very poor all the way up to the high high bourgeoisie, up to the most elite sectors of society in the administrative state and the very very well to do who don't feel inflation at all. That's what inflation represents. And that's why people despise yeah, it. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, and that, and we just saw in COVID, so much of that, so much of the wealth transfer, right? So much of the depletion of the wages of the working class and the increase in the, um, you know, pocketbooks of the incredibly wealthy. And now the administration is just continuing that trend. And we're now supposed to look the other way. Now we're not supposed to care that poor people are having a tough time. You know, groceries in New York City, obviously, and everywhere are skyrocketing. We see this all the time. I personally just buy way, way less stuff that my kid wants. You know, I'm just like, nope, we're not getting that. We're not getting that. Uh, over, you know, and after to do intermittent that. fasting. <laughs> right. Right. Intermittent well, look. Fasting. Yeah, in for the to uphold the religion of the Biden administration, not for any reasonable uh, moral standard. Babe, go ahead. I mean, the other thing is that if you notice what she's saying, she's saying shut up. She's got no answer. She, she, she's not even concerned with, right. okay, how do we solve this? This is a thing that must be solved. How do we solve it? Um, that's not on the menu. And and frankly, it, it's, it's really telling because it's never been on the menu for the left. How do we solve this, um, this wealth issue? Or how do we solve this cost of living issue is never what they care about. What they, the only thing they care about are, are disparities. And, um, and and sort of managing managing those disparities, whether it be turning up the heat in terms of um, in terms of the you know the the getting the poor to hate the rich, or um, in terms like this where she's just trying to say just shut up and 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 lay low because this economy is being transformed, and you know as as you guys have 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 said. Uh, it's all about, you know, it's it's uh, the, the war on the middle class is something that goes back um, on the left to the very very beginning, and um, it's it's every everything that that the um, everything that that Biden has done, and of course with COVID, is just exacerbating that wealth transfer from the middle classes up until the uh, you know the 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 Chanel handbag class. All right, well, we are gonna end on this because it is my birthday weekend. My birthday's on Sunday, and we've talked about the depressing state of the economy and the crazy people in the media and our president whose head's not on straight. I would like each one of you to give me hope that I can have a nice weekend despite all of this. Jeffrey, you first. Well, you always have a nice weekend. Uh, you're more optimistic than I am. I mean, which is saying something. Uh, <laughs> look, I I actually think we're at a, a great moment in American history. We're finally confronting the kind of despotic tyrannies that have surrounded mm-hmm. us for really a very long time. And we're having to come to terms with the power of the administrative state. We're, we're, we've lost faith in our, our central institutions, whether it's the CDC or the FDA or the Fed or 
uh, anything else. And I, I th- to me, it's just like the dawning of reality in America. And we really have to ask the question, what kind of system do we want? Do we want, did the Constitution have anything to teach us? Is freedom a good thing? These are the kinds of questions we're asking. And I'm very optimistic <clears throat> that in the end, the American people will have the right answers and we're going to engage in the right kind of reforms. It might take five years, but I think we're going to get there. Jeffrey, that's definitely the title of your next book, The Dawning of Reality. That's it right there. You just, I'm, I'm announcing it right here. You're writing that book. Dave, give me a little hope. All right. Well, I was with you last year on your birthday when you lived ah. in California. <laughs> and uh, so, so this year is going to be a, um, a marked improvement. And as, you know, as we know, birthdays are an occasion to maybe come to grips with our own mort- mortality and you know um, see that the, the the war against the deterioration of the mind and body um, uh, is is one that we will eventually lose like Joe Biden but we're doing great you're doing great Florida is doing great and um, the trajectory is upward Libby, I was born in Brooklyn where you are. I now live in Florida. Is that the greatest birthday gift one could be given? That's pretty great. My son was born in Brooklyn. Uh, And he will live in Florida one day. Yeah, one day he will. Uh, (laughs) Texas, more like it if he has his way. But this is a great weekend to celebrate. This is spectacular. America has chosen life. And perhaps there will be many, many more birthdays this year than there would have been otherwise. So I think you should make merry and enjoy that. Wow, Libby, tying this thing together like a true pro. Uh, You guys were awesome. I'd love to have the three (laughs) of you back together. Really enjoyed this. Have a great weekend, guys, and I'm gonna finish up uh, direct to camera in just a moment. So I'll talk to you guys soon. Happy birthday. Thanks, guys. Happy birthday. All right, people, uh, that's it for the week. I have to tie a few loose ends together today. We got a couple meetings coming up and there's a bunch going on at the house and then uh, I'm taking the crew. I'm taking you guys out for my birthday. How did that happen? Who's in charge around here? All right, you know what, Michael? You're using the corporate card. I know I pay for it, but at least you throw the card down. You, oh, are you, you'll tip? Some other time I'll tell you about Michael and the tips. He's, uh, he's the most stringent tipper known to man. He, he, need, he needs like a waiter that will like act like a clown for him, like dance for me. Otherwise he refuses. And I'm an over tipper. I, I feel that these people are working hard. They should be extra tipped. Anyway, I'm not doing much this weekend. We're going to relax, hang out with friends, eat some good food, and lounge in the pool, and that's about it. I hope you will uh, escape from some of the madness yourself. Obviously, you know, especially the abortion stuff. Like, this is, I, I tend to think that uh, Jeffrey was being a little Pollyannish, unfortunately, and that this is going to lead to some more violence and the fuel that, unfortunately, the left needs because the policies aren't working. And, and I was really focusing on that this week. If all the stuff that you're doing isn't working, you need distractions. So you need to keep people enraged about abortion or you need to keep people fearful that COVID's coming back or monkeypox or whatever it might be. Uh, but I know that you guys watch this show, so you're not hysterical and you're not crazy lunatics. And that's why I dig you. Anyway, have a nice weekend. And on Monday, I'll be 46 years old. 46, are you gonna watch a, a YouTube show of a guy that's 46? We'll find out. All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. 
And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.